From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP President Sophia Thomas. And this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's monthly podcast bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and to our patients. As always, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues. Check back each month for a new conversation with nurse practitioners and healthcare leaders from across the nation. Well, it's Nurse Practitioner Week, and I'm thrilled to celebrate in part by bringing you conversations with four of NP history's great trailblazers. All four of these episodes revolve around our 2020 NP Week theme, NPs Today, Tomorrow, Together, as we talk about where the NP role has been, where we're going, and how we'll get there. If you're not a member of AANP, NP Week is also a great time to join. For the entire month of November, use discount code NPWEEK20 to save $20 on an NP membership or membership renewal. Today, I welcome Jean Artger, a true pioneer in the NP role and a giant of NP advocacy. With more than 30 years as an NP, Jean has a sense of history and insight that the rest of us can only imagine. I'm so excited to speak with her today, so please help me welcome my friend and colleague, Jean Artger. Today, I'm so happy to be joined by my friend, colleague, and a true leader uh, and a pioneer in the nurse practitioner uh, profession and and world, uh, Jean Artger. She's been a nurse practitioner for 36 years and um, has seen a lot, done a lot, was around in the very early years of, of uh, our role. And Jean, welcome. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sophia. And thanks, AAMP, for this opportunity. Oh, it's great. So before we get started, I want to share with our listeners a little bit about who you are. And so give us, a, a, give us your story. Surely. Well, I'm a Jersey girl originally and uh, grew up in South New Jersey and uh, never heard about the role of the nurse practitioner as I went through nursing school there uh, and then later entered into the U.S. Air Force where I did a a short stint. And uh, there is where I first became aware of this new role called nurse practitioner. Uh, That would have been in 1974 when I entered the Air Force. I wanted to go to Vietnam, but Vietnam was slowing down at that point. So I did most of my duty in Texas and Louisiana. uh, And there I had roommates that were both nurse practitioners. Um, And that was quite interesting to me at that point. Uh, One of my roommates was a pediatric nurse practitioner, and she was a captain Uh, when we first met, and I was intrigued that she could see patients, actually take care of newborns and little toddlers all the way up to age about 16, as when she told me, 
and I would go down to the clinics and watch her actually do physical assessments. And this is like using your stethoscope so differently back in those days. And then my other roommate was involved with uh, the GYN clinics, and uh, they were the two roles for nurse practitioners in my experience uh, back in 1974. And uh, it was interesting because in the primary care clinics, it was predominantly staffed with the PAs. So they did have a difference in where they placed the nurse practitioner roles, but I was intrigued. And the most important thing about it was they had this autonomy that I had never seen before. And I decided right then and there, that's what I wanted to be, a nurse practitioner. And so how did your nurse practitioner uh, uh, profession begin? How did your, your role as a nurse practitioner start out? Well, we, I went back to get my baccalaureate and my graduate degree, and that was my, my main focus. Um, I took a little detour to raise our daughter um, and uh, came back to, uh, to the United States. We were actually tr- stationed overseas, but at that time, uh, right after we had our daughter, um, my husband was killed in a military accident in a plane crash. So I pulled my bootstraps up and I came back to the United States and decided this time is for my daughter and then I will work on my degree to get my nurse practitioner. So I moved to Florida. Where else? (laughs) Land of the sunshine, away from the cold north. I hated the cold. So I came to Tampa, Florida specifically to enter into a nurse practitioner program. And so you became a nurse practitioner what year? I became, uh, finally took me uh, with the daughter and the school, 1984 is when I graduated with my nurse practitioner. So I was not one of the earlier ones, but I saw the advocacy role that was in this new uh, nurse practitioner uh, for the state of Florida. We were slow to come to to the table with it. Uh, We did not get our Practice Act uh, to include nurse practitioners until about 1977. Uh, so all the states were just kind of getting into it in the early 80s, and it was now into the university programs. If we recall, many of the uh, startups like Dr. Ford in 1965 in Colorado, um, we didn't really see that trend getting into the universities until a little bit later. Most of it was continuing education programs or um, grant programs for manpower grants and that sort of thing where people would go for uh, certificate or diploma kind of programs for that. But when the university started kicking in, that's when the role started to evolve. And I was at that early part for Florida. And so we talk about Nurse Practitioner Week and, and where our focus is today, to go, to, tomorrow, together. But I think it's so important for us to know the history and where we were, um, how things were uh, were for practicing nurse practitioners back when you became a nurse practitioner and even before. I know when I became an NP back in uh, 1996, nurse practitioners still couldn't prescribe. And we were using the pre-signed prescription pads and um, having to call in prescriptions under our our collaborative physician's name. And I actually um, was in in Louisiana in the early demonstration project where we had to uh, enter into a pilot program to prove that nurse practitioners were safe and effective prescribers and that our patients wouldn't die because we prescribed amoxicillin for them. Um, and that was very successful. And, and, you know, after our demonstration project in Louisiana, we were able to get prescriptive authority. 
So, um, and, and I was proud to be a part of that. So tell me about what it was like when you were a nurse practitioner back in the 19, 1980s. You became an NP 10 years before I did. Right. Well, in, in that early time, uh, we did have a few nurse practitioners that mostly were certificate uh, trained. Uh, and some of them did not have the baccalaureate or the graduate degree. They were actually associate degrees uh, program, uh, but they had had experience uh, for many years prior to I, I think some of the folks I met actually got their certificate or diploma. Uh, some of the early programs were like University of Alabama, 1971. Wow. So I met a lot of those folks, and they were. Um, we would have our little gatherings in, around the state uh, through the nurses' association, the nurse practitioner uh, council, if you will. Uh, but locally in, in my area, we all kind of just gathered together and we did potluck suppers and we talked about <laughs> the role. Uh, and we were trying to get more advocacy and get the word out about the opportunities for us. But unfortunately, when I started in 1984, I had to hold three jobs in order to make a living because the role was not known. And I negotiated those roles. Uh, one was with an orthopedic uh, the physician and I and he wanted me to be the office nurse and I said no but I'll come and be your nurse practitioner in the clinic and if you teach me more about orthopedics so that was a good relationship for a couple years and I also taught and I also volunteered at a free clinic and I think many of us did that early introduction uh, trying to get uh, volunteerism to get opportunities to work uh, but it was tough. Um, I think uh, beginning RNs made more than we did uh, trying to secure these nurse practitioner roles in, in 1984, 85. Yeah. And, and Amy, even today, we're seeing some, some RNs making um, a lot more uh, money, depending on where people practice. I sure. know when I graduated, I, um, my salary in 1996 was $88,000. And that was, that was actually good. pretty good for back then. Um, you know, it was... Some people were uh, making that. Um, a lot of people started out, I think, in the 70s. And so there has been a lot of growth in nurse practitioner um, compensation, uh, depending on where you practice, which is which has been phenomenal as far as the growth in the role. Um, you've been always been involved in our role, always advocated since since you were a wee bitty nurse practitioner. Okay. And I think it's so important for NPs to understand that the 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 rights that we have to practice and um, the the legislation and the policy that gives us our practice act um, is is given to us because of the work of nurse practitioners before us to really um, highlight and bring some focus to the role and uh, the recognition. And so I want you to talk about everything that you've done to advocate for the role and early on, and then you continue to. You are now executive director of the Florida Nurse Practitioner Network. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Um, I think my advocacy uh, was um, honed in with the with the Nurses Association. I'm a proud member for many years, and um, my mother was a lobbyist in Washington, D.C. for the state of New Jersey uh, education. So I saw the need that you have to speak up and go to Washington and do those things uh, to get grants and to get the funding and get your program started. So I watched that all my life growing up. 
But when it came to the nurse practitioner role, going to these early nurse practitioner gatherings and listening to what other people were doing, uh, I got involved early on as a, actually as a baccalaureate student when they invited us to come to their meetings. And I remember my first official nurse practitioner meeting in Tampa. We were um, meeting in the old Red Cross building and the very first meeting I did, they said, get out your checkbook, we're gonna sue the board of nursing. And that, that was to clear up some language that uh, was still stopping us from getting into um, different uh, agencies and around. So advocacy has been with me since the beginning and to promote the role and to create more jobs. It was never about the money. I got to tell you yeah. that that got us into this. And I think every nurse practitioner will tell you, yeah, it's nice to have the, the salary that, that makes you have a living, but was never about that it was about the autonomy that we could have that relationship with our patients that we wanted and that we sought out to to show that there was a difference if you talk to people um, I can remember later on when I went in partnership with a physician he said to me Jean you're gonna starve you'll never make money you talk too much <laughs> so uh, and that was uh, in reference to giving more education to patients right then and there like nurse practitioners do so advocacy has been a part of me since the very beginning. And, uh, and I was part of the early um, uh, emphasis uh, for nurse practitioners in Tampa. We were kind of the bellwether state there for a while in Florida, getting advanced uh, uh, nurse practitioner opportunities, including we were one of the first states to get prescriptive authorities. But yeah. we did not, we did not, and that was in 1987. And that took... Um, a lot of good luck and a lot of good placement of good people um, who did not oppose us because we were concerned about having those signed scripts in our pockets. We all did that in the yeah, early exactly. days. Otherwise, you couldn't run your clinic uh -huh. uh, or see patients. So we finally got it legitimized under protocol. Under In Florida, it's a general protocol, uh, general supervising protocol. So we didn't need those signed scripts after that. But we did not get controlled substances for not another 12 years later. Oh, yeah. Just very recently. Yeah. I think it was the last state, right? We were the last state. The last in the state. Union. So you were also part of the AANP History Committee, which yeah. I think is such an important committee to preserve our the history. Mm -hmm. um, I want you to share a little bit about that, the work sure. that you're doing. Well, actually, it um, I've always been interested in history. Uh, I've been a collector of antique uh, nursing memorabilia. Yeah, and I, I think there's many nurses that are doing that. <laughs> And, uh, you know, there's just so much that you can collect after a while. But with AAMP, I happened to be at an NPACE conference in Florida in 1985, and someone stuck a piece of paper up on a pushpin bulletin board back then that said, don't you think it's time for a National Nurse Practitioner or Association? And I thought about it, and I said, well, yeah, you know, why, why don't we have our own? Uh, midwives had theirs, uh, pediatric nurse practitioners yeah. had theirs. Why not? So I went to that meeting, and then again, I got my checkbook out. Seems to be a common theme when you yeah. go to nurse practitioner meetings, right? So we all joined, and uh, that's when the other folks took off in uh, the Northeast and made this thing happen for the Acad American Academy of Nurse Practitioners. Uh, as you know, later on, the Academy merged with the college uh, and in 2013, and we became one, the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. With the creativity of these folks and the, the 
passion and the desire. I happen to be one of those fortunate people, young, very young in the role, uh, to learn from these folks. And that history is what we need to preserve. And that's how I got involved with the history committee. Yeah, and that's what you're doing. It's just been amazing to see. Um, I've uh, been, a, been a part of that as well, and I've seen some of the photos that, um, I mean, back then we had photographs and you had negatives. And, and so we have to sort through these individual on, on paper photographs that got scanned to a, a, a Dropbox so we can identify some of these young leaders in, in the profession, or I say young leaders in the profession from, from you know decades ago. And it's been amazing to see the growth. And I can remember my first nurse, pr- nurse practitioner conference. You mentioned yours. I, um, it was actually um, here in New Orleans, and it was the Louisiana Association of Nurse Practitioners. And I remember going um, for my first time, uh, and I, I'd always heard these names of these these nurse practitioners that were leaders, that were active in the state, that were advocating on behalf of, of us. And I remember just sitting there in awe of, wow, this is, I've heard about her, I've heard what she's done, she's doing so much for us, I wanna be just like her. And so, um, you know, we stand on the shoulders of, of, of great people that have, have really started the profession for us. And I remember my first AANP conference as well, and it was actually in New Orleans. And um, I think it was, uh, hmm. we had gone from, there were several smaller conferences, and it was our first, I think what we would call big conference back uh, in the 90s as well. I think there were 600 people there at the time. And uh, AANP was so proud of that, and, and we've, we've come such a long way. I mean, now 290,000 NPs, over 1 billion patient visits a year. It's just amazing to see how the role has developed. And, um, and, and I'm so proud of that. And I, I know you are, too, everything I, that you've, you've worked to accomplish. You've also served on the A&P board. So it seems like you've always been involved. Uh, Definitely. I think part of your professional being has to be involved, whether you be involved at the local level, the state level or the national level. There's opportunity to do all if you want uh, just the time to do it. But the contributions that we have made so far, uh, look at the improved health that has happened. Uh, We have made made a difference. And finally, I would say through AAMP and all the other associations that have been involved, we have finally found our niche out there, and uh, I think we're going to get stronger and better. Exactly. And, you know, many NPs wonder, what can I do to be more involved? I go to my practice, and I come home every day, and and what more can I do? And I, I tell them, you know, just join your professional associations. It Just having your membership, uh, we have such strength in numbers. When we can say that we represent 290,000 NPs, or on the state association level, you can say you represent X number of NPs. All the NPs that are members have a voice, and they're being represented, and and they're getting information. I think what's so great about associations is that we provide all kinds of information to our members related to regulations and legislation and reimbursement. different policy, practice, educational resources, et cetera. And we're so proud to be able to offer that to our members. And um, so I think, but as a nurse practitioner, the most important thing anybody can do is just join their association and be part of, join the group, be part of the club, and and let us all work together to advocate for not only uh, the profession, the role, but our, 
our patients and patient access to high quality care. Um, our patients rely on us to be their voice um, and someone's got to do it. And I, I want to switch gears. I just said, I, and I, I tend to say the nurse practitioner profession, but I want you to talk about it's really a role and you've got some insight on that. So I want you to share that, Jean, my friend. I will share with you a story. Um, I have the distinct pleasure of living in Florida, a beautiful state. And it also is the state where Dr. Loretta Ford retired to in the late 70s. And uh, so we've become friends over the years. And she lives, oh, about two hours north of me uh, in, a, in a retirement community. So we go up and visit and we have a little English tea. I always try to take a young nurse practitioner with me to give them that opportunity to meet Dr. Ford. Because, you know, she's an enigma to many that, you know, who yeah. is this person, you know? Uh, and it's been uh, kind of a rewarding and satisfying relationship all these years. And I'm just blessed to have her. And one day I said, Dr. Ford, thank you for creating our profession, nurse practitioner profession. And she stepped back. She looked at me and she goes, your profession is nursing. Your role is nurse practitioner. Don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that that bring, rings uh, clear to you that that we are nurses, and if we aren't, then we're going to be something different. If we don't keep nursing in the role of the nurse practitioner, that's what makes us unique and makes us special. So, I think Dr. Ford is right. Keep nursing in your role. Exactly, always. I agree. And and I profession just kind of just flows out of my mouth. So every time I say it, I feel like I have Dr. Ford on the oh, back yeah. of my shoulder saying, it's your role, it's your role. And and I mentally <laughs> correct myself each time. Um, and she, you know, just, I, I'm looking forward to speaking with her on a, a future podcast. I'm, uh, she and I share emails and she is uh, going to be 100 this year in December. Yes. And um it's amazing when I get an email from her. I'm I'm just in awe. It was um, uh, like my first. Uh, I went to a big um, uh, another association big annual meeting uh, a couple years ago, and there were some nurse theorists there that I had studied mm -hmm. when I was when I was in school, and I remember seeing them. They the a couple of colleagues pointed them out, and I said, oh, I mean, I've read about her. I've read her theory. I, I just assumed she was dead, and um, you know, these are icons in history and here they are walking among us. And so I think, you know, for our young NP colleagues that uh, study the role and study to become a nurse practitioner, you hear about the history, you hear about where we've come and how, how the role started in 1965 between with Loretta Ford and Dr. Henry Silver. And Loretta Ford is still very much, uh, very active. active, very involved. In fact, I played golf with her last December at her... Uh, <laughs> And I was honored to be able to drive her golf cart and let her teach me how to play golf. Um, she's going to be 100 in, in December, Jean. Yes, she is. And the Florida Nurse Practitioner Network, we, we were sitting around one day and we said, why don't we throw a golf tournament and help her raise some funds for her two uh, schools? Uh, she has foundations at both University of Colorado and University of Rochester. And that's where she always likes us to remind everybody that that's her legacy there. And so um, so we said, well, let's raise some money for them. So uh, three years ago, we started uh, giving the annual Dr. Loretta Ford 
golf scramble and uh, fundraiser and birthday party. And we've had a ball. We decided to, to start these and do them right where she lives at, at her village uh, in the, uh, just north of or- Orlando area. And we have a ball. And she is out there driving in the golf court. Has a pretty darn good mean swing, too, I got to tell you. She does. The first she does. And, and we start off with uh, mimosas to toaster. And off we go. And we have a round of uh, nine holes, and then we assemble back and have a luncheon and some tributes to her and a lot of old friends and some of her longtime friends make it to these uh, things. And so we were um, planning this big one for the 100th, and then came COVID. So we've been on the sidelines wondering what we're going to do, but I think we'll have a small affair, uh, COVID uh, Cautions, of course, and we will try to celebrate this woman who has given all her life to nursing. And uh, we have some special events that we're going to do. But also, we would like to make sure that people remember that she has these scholarships out there. And uh, I hope that people would say, hmm, 100 years, that's probably a good thing to donate $100 at least to her scholarships. And we'll let you know more about that. And it's so great because uh, A&P is going to be doing several things to, to honor her birthday as well. But That's right. um, she's, she'll be 100 in December. This is the year of the nurse and the midwife. Um, it's the 200th birthday of Florence Nightingale, um, the lady with the lamp. And um, such, a, such a fitting year. Um, I mean, 2020 has been, let's, let's face it, a little bit crazy. But um, we're going to be ending it on a high note uh, with our role and um, the things that we're doing. Could I ask uh, one thing that uh, I think Dr. Ford would like us to mention? Oh, Not absolutely. only it is, is it the year of the nurse and the midwife, it's also the year of the suffragettes. It is. Now, doc- Dr. Ford was born in 1920, and that's the year that the um, amendment got passed. And, and so she is a very much an advocate to the point that Recently, last February, there was a conference at University of Florida to honor their found one of their deans, Dr. Darthea Smith, who was a legend in her time as well and an advocate for uh, nursing uh, using their advanced skills. Dr. Smith uh, had a unification model. And the interesting story is this, that when Dr. Ford went to Rochester and had her uh, induction as the first dean there, um, she invited Dr. Smith and Virginia Henderson to be honorees for honorary doctorates at uh, Rochester. So in that light, she always revered Dr. Smith and her creative thinking and forward thinking. So we attended the Dorothy Smith lecture at University of Florida. Dr. Kim Curry joined me and Dr. Ford, and we all dressed up like suffragettes. So and wait, let me let me cut you off there. For the young yeah. folks out there, what is a suffragette? Who is oh, a suffragette? The suffragettes were the advocates for women's right to vote. And they would march and they were the first petitioners and the, uh, had many rallies and marches uh, from the eight, mid-1800s uh, uh, all the way up to 1920. You know, like it took many, Mrs., many Mrs. years. Banks? Kind of like Mrs. Banks and Mary Kinda Poppins. Li- Great analogy. That's where it I is. I think for, for the is. young folks out there, they would recognize that. <laughs> so Dr. Ford actually dressed up uh, and joined us for that meeting. And so then came COVID. 
And then came the, uh, the historic date in August for the anniversary of the suffragettes. And I get this picture across my email, and it's Dr. Ford. She got her daughter to take a picture of her. She dressed it up for the day in her suffragette uh, outfit with her sash. Votes for women. So, guys, if she can do that at 99 and three quarters, we can help her uh, celebrate her birthday and for many reasons, for women's right to votes and for the uh, uh, nurse practitioners honor, of the year. Honor, really honoring her legacy and and when she when she stepped out and and um, worked with Dr. Silver to help create the role, um, you know, back in the 1960s, uh, you know, it was fighting for women's rights still, mm-hmm. um, our right to be in the workplace and and uh, really fighting for the nursing profession as a whole. There were times when nurses uh, weren't allowed to have stethoscopes because it was out of their scope. Um, they couldn't give injections because it was out of out of their scope. Um, those were formerly things that were seen as physician tasks. And over the years, nursing has really proven and um, exemplified and provided evidence to show that our nursing practice is safe and effective. Um, patients patients get better. Patients respond. And so, as we you know, we talk about our education and training. Um, that is our scope. It is our full, you know, full scope of practice, what we're educated and trained to do. Um, unfortunately, in some states, some states, our scope is restricted due to outdated regulatory barriers and, and things like that. What would you say as a, as a pioneer yourself and as somebody that's been in the nurse practitioner role for, what, 36 years now, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have to say I was, I was 13 when you became a nurse practitioner. Um, I'll be 50 next year. And, uh, I, when I was 13, I decided I wanted to become a nurse. So when I was deciding I wanted to become a nurse, you were, um, a nurse practitioner, but what would you say for, to our younger nurse practitioners that are, that are, um, getting out of, out of school now? Um, we have, uh, some people that are, in their late 20s, early 30s, um, that maybe have a different viewpoint on the world um, and don't maybe understand a lot of the history of nursing and the history and the things that uh, those of us that have gone, come before them have advocated uh, for. What would you tell them? I think the most important thing that every nurse practitioner needs to understand is that everything in policy stems from what you do in practice. So that is, practice brings to you, why can't we change this? Why, why are we stuck in this uh, same situation? In Florida in 1987, we obtained the prescribing uh, ability under protocol, but we didn't pass any legislation for many years thereafter until, uh, we, until one day we just got together and said, we need to stop some of these crazy um, acts that we are forced to follow because we are stuck in legislation. So um, I created four bills that came from my direct practice. I got tired of searching down the hall for somebody to sign a form. So we got passed in 2004 the handicap parking permits for Florida nurse practitioners and three other bills that came directly out of my occupational health. So what I say is to all nurse practitioners is that Practice makes policy, and you take that 
what's bothering you in your practice and you work for it and you will get someone to listen to you and maybe pass a bill. And that's how it's done. And, you know, it seems so simple. Why, why can't a nurse practitioner simply sign their name to a handicap placard? Um, other simple forms that through regulation and, and, and legislation, uh, we were previously not allowed to, to or I don't want to say not allowed. We weren't um, authorized. We were restricted. We were not uh-huh. authorized. Thank you. Um, so it seems uh, so trivial now, but little things like just being able to sign our name on a form for a patient, sign a school physical form. Um, those things didn't weren't so easy for us even, you know, five, ten years ago. And and we would have to fight on the state level uh, just to bring highlight these issues and real and bring recognition to the fact that these are outdated outdated laws or outdated guidelines or outdated regulations. We really do need to modernize our outdated regulatory language. So nurse practitioners can provide all the care uh, to patients that that they're educated, trained, and certified to do. That's for sure. And when it comes to your practice, and if you have to stop and think about it, or you have to modify the way that you're working in order to get something done for a patient, that becomes a problem. That's your problem. That's your stem. That's what you're going to take to a legislator and say, we need to fix this. Yes. Anytime you you need a workaround. If you have to have a workaround, then something needs to be fixed. That's right. And getting, getting full practice authority is a heavy lift for many states, particularly here, uh, most of us in the Southeast, Um, just because of the old, um, the old guard, Uh, they, uh, it's very protective and uh, it's very hard to get legislators to see this. And so your advocacy begins not when you first get your license as a nurse practitioner, but the first moment and decision that you make when you want to go to school and be a nurse practitioner, that's when your advocacy must begin. Exactly. And I think um, something to point out, when I was um, actually in nurse practitioner school and, and the the topic of full practice authority came up and the collaborative practice agreement, and in my mind, uh, as a very young NP, I thought, well, why wouldn't I want to have a collaborative practice agreement? Um, why? Because, you know, if I have if I have a physician I'm collaborating with, it, it's the physician's always there. And as I grew to understand full practice authority, it's, I don't need to have a pa- piece of paper that says who I'm going to collaborate with. As a practicing nurse practitioner, I collaborate with physicians, dietitians, healthcare providers of all specialties without that pe- signed agreement, that collaborative practice agreement. And so, and there's no evidence obviously to support that having a collaborative practice agreement makes any nurse practitioner um, safer. Um, it doesn't change patient outcomes. Um, so now I understand full practice authority is just being able to practice at the top of one's education and training without any regulatory restrictions, without having to have a written, quote unquote, permission slip uh, to do so. And um, if, a, if a nurse practitioner, uh, most nurse practitioners, let's face it, will continue to be employed by hospital groups, um, uh, medical clinic groups, et cetera, they're not going to open up their own practices. It, it takes a lot to open up one's own practice. But for some NPs that want to open practices, provide increased access to care, go into rural areas for the patients that so desperately need it, they're able to do that. 
Um, indeed, I owned a practice, um, started off with a partnership with a physician for over 23 years. And let me tell you, it was a struggle at first, you know, uh, but within uh, the first year, we were we were doing fine. And we both had our knew our own roles and complemented each other. Um, I bought the physician out later in the practice, and we um, continued to work together. He said, this makes more sense. Uh, I can take off more time now that you own it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but we still work together collaboratively. We always did. But there are states that must understand that if you're working in a supervisory role, it's not collaboration. And yeah. that still keeps us under uh, without a ability to use our, our practice to the best of our ability. Yeah. And I think here at AANP, we have some resources for our members. Um, uh, AANP.org forward slash advocacy is an online resource that really highlights federal issues and state issues that affect NPs and our patients. And it also allows NPs to send messages directly to their representatives for various um, uh, federal and state issues that come up. So uh, I'm very proud of our advocacy center because our members really enjoy using it and it's a way for us to share the NP message directly to uh, legislators and policymakers that are going to be making decisions about um, our, our bills and things that affect our patients. Right and I would encourage all nurse practitioners to visit that site often. It's not just during the election season. It's nope. just not during your legislative session because you can get more work done with a legislator off session than you can get their attention during session. You need to be working with legislators long before the session starts. And it, sometimes it takes two or three years to make those relationships happen. And so this year for Florida, our nurse practitioners with the Florida Nurse Practitioner Network, we've have a, we, we announced that our lobbyist, as a thank you for helping us get our independent practice primary care nurse practitioner bill passed this last session. Let me just say it's a it's a step, but it's not the full deal that we got full practice authority in Florida. We haven't got that yet, but we do have an ability for some nurse practitioners now to practice independently with a AAPRN licensure. That's Autonomous Advanced Registered Nurse Practitioner License. However, with this new license, it's only going to be allowed for doing primary care, so says the law. But we're hoping that we can modify that down the road. However, it excludes all the other APRNs. And we would like a bill to make sure that we include every one of the APRNs in the state of Florida. That's our colleagues, the CRNAs, the CNSs, and the midwives. So we can uh, then bring in all the other specialties of the APRN and not exclude them by this bill. But it's a start. It, you know, it's a start. But I was so impressed, Jean, with all the work that the Florida nurse practitioners did over the years. They rallied. They they um, because I saw it. You guys were very visible on social media. You visited your legislators in the off season. Uh, the legislators that were uh, elected uh, to represent those those regions. NPs went out, went to their offices, and met them. Uh, introduced them and said, hi, I'm a nurse practitioner. I live in your district. This is the patient population that I care for. And um, this is what's going to be coming for nurse practitioners. We need your help to pass this bill so we can provide care to patients. Um, so we don't have any regulatory restrictions on our license. 
Uh, we're educated and trained to do that. And um, I know we have some resources on this in our advocacy center as well. But those are the things that you you guys in Florida did. And you you really, I was so proud of the grassroots nurse practitioner effort that the Florida NPs did. And we see that across the country. And I have to say that AAMP has been right there with us all along. Uh, this past year, uh, you all came to Tallahassee to have a meet and greet with the uh, legislators oh, and convince them. Uh, we've had Tay many times coming to speak uh, and does an excellent job uh, informing and educating the legislators. So that helps. And uh, that's what the association has been r- uh, great with helping us. So just remember that after this election, you're going to have some new people and you're going to have some returning people. But it's a time on that first day of Nurse Practitioner Week. Why don't you write these new guys and write these new ladies and tell them who you are and that you're going to be their expert uh, waiting for them and you'll be making an appointment to see them soon. So I challenge everyone to go meet your new legislators and make sure that they know you're a nurse practitioner. And then at the same time, I have to say that uh, we have to make a pitch for nurse practitioners to start thinking outside the box and get on boards, uh, serving on boards. I serve on a free clinic board. I was the first nurse practitioner to do so. It was always uh, pretty much uh, community leaders and physicians. So I was honored to do that um, and many other uh, boards that are out there. So I hope that nurse practitioners do that as well as run for office. Exactly. Yeah. We have right. some nurse practitioners that are in state office. We have um, nurse practitioners uh, that are mayors of their city. I think of Dr. Beth yeah. Haney in Yorba Linda, California. Mm-hmm. Um, we have NPs that are getting involved in their community uh, as leaders in their own community. And I think that's that's so important, getting involved in the school boards, making a difference in the lives of, of all the patients in the community. Jean, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a great conversation. You are uh, an amazing pioneer. You're a mentor, friend, and colleague. Thank you so much for joining me at the NP Pulse. Thank you, Sophia. What an honor. Jean, thank you so much for joining us today on NP Pulse. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and gaining your perspective and insights. Jean is a leader in both NP history and NP advocacy, and there are many ways that you can get involved too. The AANP History Committee is holding a writing contest during the month of November. Today's events are tomorrow's history, so help preserve your thoughts and experiences from 2020 for future generations of NPs by submitting an article, manuscript, poem, or other written work. Visit aanp.org forward slash np-history-writing-contest to learn more. You might even win a $100 gift card for submitting your piece. The AANP Advocacy Center is the place to quickly connect with your elected representatives on issues affecting the NP role and our patients. Visit aanp.org forward slash advocacy-center to view the current issues and take action now. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your colleagues, and check back each month for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner.